Six o'clock, this is the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Hilton Tarrant with you on this Wednesday evening. Tonight, FNB Chief Executive Michael Yordan is stepping down at the end of 2013. After a decade at the helm of South Africa's third largest bank, he joins us in a few minutes' time. Chris Gilmore of Absa Investments on astonishing results from both Lewis and Mr. Price as well as a less than exuberant update from MassMart. Donnie Mankis on a strong year for private hospital group Mediclinic. We're also joined by Carlo Gonzaga, Chief Executive of Taste Holdings, explaining its onslaught on the lower end of the market with the rollout of the fish and chip company stores. It's opening pretty much two a week. Also, we'll hear from recruitment group AdCorp, uh, Chief Executive Richard Pike on the strong demand for IT skills. And Wayne McCurry of Momentum Wealth is with us to make sense of the markets on a day where the JSE ended flat. That and more to come. First, here's the news. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Arrests made after shooting of Metro Cop and DA could challenge Zuma's choice for NPA boss. Good evening, I'm Greg Hose with the news at 6 o'clock here on SAFM. Two people have been arrested for allegedly shooting and wounding a Metro police officer at the Pan-Africa Mall in Alexandra, north of Johannesburg. Police are still searching for a third suspect. The three allegedly stopped their car next to the Metro police vehicle and then demanded their service firearms. The Metro cops refused and a shootout ensued. Metro police spokesperson Edna Mamunyani. Metro police and subs were busy with the search in Alexandra. Two suspects are now in custody. We have one suspect who's still at large, but the police are following the lead. He's apparently in a taxi trying to go to another province. Parliament has been told that South Africa could lose its competitive edge if it raises its labour standards too high. Anthony Altbjerke of the Centre for Development and Enterprise says production costs need to be kept low in order to compete with the developed world. His statement follows a public submission on the Special Economic Zones Bill. The truth is that one can't legislate past one's evolution up the value chain. And while we need to set minimum standards, we also need to recognize that as you raise those standards, it becomes harder and harder to compete. DA leader Helen Zillers warned that her party will launch a court challenge if President Jacob Zuma appoints a KwaZulu-Natal magistrate to become the next national director of public prosecutions. This after media speculation that Zuma intends to appoint a Pinetown magistrate, Stanley Gourmede, to fill the position left vacant by Menzi Similani. Addressing the media, Zilla said the DA is convinced that this magistrate is not fit to become the next NPA head. Number one, proceeding with a criminal case in the absence of a prosecutor. Two, releasing an accused in custody on Schedule 6 offences without a formal bail application. Then he interfered allegedly in the prosecution's case and dictated to them which witnesses they should call and which ones they should not call. He's allegedly been abusive towards prosecutors, court staff and witnesses. He's indicated during the state's case that he had accepted certain evidence before cross-examination had taken place. And he cross-examined witnesses while he was the presiding officer. PAC leader Letlap Mbashlele says South Africa's security has been compromised by the unauthorized landing of a private jet at the Bartoklof Air Force Base in Pretoria last month. He was speaking in the National Assembly during a debate on the Gupta saga. The plane was carrying more than 200 guests for the Gupta wedding. Bashlele says the authorities have allowed the country's resources to be easily manipulated. Security is in danger if the state processes can be so easily manipulated by notorious Gupta name droppers. Next time our enemies will first drop names and later drop lethal bombs. 
If at all the Indian airliner carrying waiting gas was not properly cleared, it should have been impounded. This is a standard international practice, but one does not expect this practice to be implemented by a republic born bananas. Popular SABC radio and TV presenter Fuyambuli has been described as a man with a great sense of humour. Hundreds of people, including dignitaries, are attending his memorial service at the SABC headquarters in Auckland Park, Johannesburg. Mbuli collapsed while watching a rugby match at the Free State Stadium last weekend. He died later that day in a Bloemfontein hospital. He'll be buried on Friday. Edwin and CD reports. Boyambuli's memorial service currently underway is more than a celebration of his life. Speakers who took the podium to pay tribute to the veteran presenter described his death as a great loss to the media world. Lula Mamukhobo, SABC Group Chief Executive, says today is an overwhelming day for SABC family in South Africa. Boyo started working for SAFM in the early 90s as a pioneering black voice and later presented news and current affairs on the station. His boss at the station, Dennis O'Donnell, says they will truly miss Boyo for what he was. A judge in Italy has ordered the captain of the Costa Concordia cruise ship, which capsized in sank off the Italian coast last year, to go on trial in July. Captain Francesco Scatina will face multiple manslaughter charges. 32 people died when the ship ran aground. The BBC's Alan Johnston. The preliminary hearings have gone on for several months, but now a judge has ruled that Captain Scatino must indeed stand trial. When it begins in July, he'll be accused of both manslaughter and dereliction of duty. Top story. Two people have been arrested for allegedly shooting and wounding a Metro police officer in Alexandra, north of Johannesburg. The next news bulletin is at 7 o'clock. For SAFM, I'm Greg Hose. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks a lot, Greg. Six minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update this Wednesday evening. Tons to get through between now and 6.30. A reminder of our SMS line, 34701 with a keyword market. That's 34701 with a keyword market at a cost of two rand per SMS. First up, as always, Google it. Mfupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Property group Growth Point has successfully completed the equity capital raising of two and a half billion rand through the issue of 90 million new Growth Point linked units at a final offer price of 28 rand apiece. The listed property group says the order book was well subscribed due to strong demand from both domestic and international investors, in particular from the US and the UK. Malawi's luxury presidential jet bought by the late leader Binguwa Mutarika has been sold for around 150 million rand to raise cash for the impoverished African country. And tax cheats big and small were under microscope today in Brussels as European leaders gathered at the summit to discuss tax evasion amid a fresh scandal involving computer giant Apple. Looking at the market performance now, the JSEO share index has ended the day all fairly flat at 41,836 points. Looking at the rand, it's at 9.54 to the US dollar, 14.33 against the pound and 14.29 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,380 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $103 and the platinum price at $1,467 an ounce. Thanks a lot, Google. Almost eight minutes after six o'clock, we'll get to the markets with Wayne McCurry of Momentum Wealth in a few minutes' time. Well, he's been called the Steve Jobs of banking. FNB Chief Executive Michael Yodan today announced he'll be leaving the bank after a decade at the helm, while innovation has always been part of the bank's DNA because, of its, uh, because it's part of the wider R&B group. Your Don has been widely credited with pushing the bank to innovate 
At a rate far ahead of its peers, he informed the board of his plans to leave back in 2010. Money first reported that he would be leaving in January of this year. He denied it then, and the timing seems right now. Michael Yodan joins us now. Michael, you're 45 years old. Hopefully you're not taking early retirement. I don't like that word, the, the one that starts with the R. I can't even bring myself to say it. The way I look at it is it's a bit like a sporting game, and it's half time now. And I'm going to take a little bit of time out to decide, you know, which way I'm going to play in the second half. That said, though, you, you have been commuting from the Cape up to Joburg on a weekly basis for the past five years. That uh, it surely has taken its toll. You know, it's got its pros and cons. I can tell you that when you are here in Joburg, you work much harder because it's the only thing that you get to do. But in the end, you need your support system, and it's tough when you only see your kids two nights a, a week. And I, I really want to first re-engage with them a little bit. But there, there are lots of entrepreneurial things one can do not based in Joburg. You know, the world's become much smaller, much flatter. Technology allows amazing things. And there's a whole different uh, technological startup vibe in the Cape that I hope to become part of in due course. You mentioned technology there. There's a very strong link between your personal brand and the bank's band, uh, brand, especially in, in recent months and years. Uh, if I look at something like Twitter, your profile, um, R.B. Jacobs' profile on Twitter and, and FNB's profile are, are pretty much synonymous with each other. It's going to take some undoing to, to get that uh, link undone. Well, maybe that's a good reason to leave because a business should never be about just one single individual. And, in fact, that's part of my thinking where I said you shouldn't really be around for longer than seven at the maximum ten years. That's just my belief about CEOs because what happens is that some of your bad qualities also start rubbing off on a business. You start being too forgiving on people who make mistakes, maybe because they're close to you. So, for me, I think this is a great time to leave. I also actually think it's a great time for somebody like Jock to step up to the plate because there's continuity, because there's a big momentum underway already, because there are lots of innovative plans in the pipeline. So we determined to make this as smooth a succession as possible. Of course, the market doesn't know him that much yet. It'll take some time, but I'm confident he'll step up. Jacques Solier, the head of business banking, uh, succeeds you at the end of the year, and there is this, uh, this uh, strong handover process over the remaining seven months. How would you describe Jacques, Michael? Uh, Jacques is an entrepreneur. He's far more streetwise than I am, uh, even though he's a studied engineer and then he studied his MBA abroad. He's one of those really, really hard workers. He gets on with a job. No problem is ever too big for him. He gets to solve it. And, in fact, he was also the architect of some of our big innovations. He was the guy that proposed slow lounges, for example, which was in the midst of a recession. Our 15% fuel reward program originated from him. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, innovations, not only the ones that are already in the pipeline and due to be launched in the next 6 to 12 months, but, but also in future. This, this, this innovation that is embedded within the bank, is, is it a strong culture that you leave behind? I, I would like to think so. Uh, if you have to ask me what I've achieved, I have to tell you that personally I achieved very little, but together with the team, possibly the biggest thing is the culture that has changed. Um, it's become one of very high employee engagement, but also one in which people can empower themselves. And this is not just about flattening peers or, or reporting structures, which is something that we did, but about a can-do attitude and about people that are encouraged to take risks and to come up with new ideas and to implement new things. And that, I think, is it's not just one person, it's not just ten person, but it's a, it's a deep culture in, in FNB. Michael, just to close off with, what about Steve? Now, Steve, unfortunately, is, is staying behind, so Jock is stuck with him. 
and uh, rumours that Steve is joining me are, are completely untrue. Michael, I uh, hope you enjoy your last uh, seven months at FNB and uh, enjoy the wine thereafter. Michael Yodon, uh, Chief Executive of FNB there. Let's bring in Wayne McCurry now of Momentum Wealth, our market watcher for this evening. Wayne, the last of the old guard in inverted commas. Tom Boardman at Nedbank, replaced by Mike Brown. We had Steve Boyson at ABSA, replaced by uh, Maria Ramos not too long ago. Most recently, obviously, Jacko Marie at Standard Bank, replaced by Ben Kruger and Sim Chabalala. And uh, today, Michael announcing his uh, semi-retirement. Yeah, look, it's going to be quite a change. I mean, it's, uh, Michael's been around at first day, and it's been very, very successful for a long time period now. So, yeah, it's pitched used to full end, and we'll, we'll watch it very closely. Market uh, not seemingly too happy with, with the change. Uh, if in, or first round under some pressure today, some of the yeah. other banks went, went under as much pressure. Yeah, look, it came down about one and a half odd percent. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that's a, you know, a market being displeased with the, the replacement or with Michael leaving, but obviously Michael leaving is not good news. So, I mean, there may be a little bit of profit taking there because, I mean, the share has run and has been one of the good performers actually over for, for quite a while now. I mean, it literally wasn't that long ago that this was a 16 rand share. Mm. You know, after, after all the shenanigans that happened in London, uh, during the, during the financial crisis, you know, and first hand took quite a few big write-offs there, and there's been a, quite a remarkable comeback since then. Across the market, the JSE ending flat today, a, a fresh record high, albeit just by 21 points, up 0.05%. Financials, mm. industrials, weaker resources gaining. Yeah, but the resources were strong again today, so this, is, this, this has been quite a, a trend over the last couple of days that we've had strong resource shares. I mean, the real weakness today was, was NASPAS, Richmond, and SAB. The rest of the market was actually quite, quite, quite buoyant. It was actually up quite a bit. And certainly the big news of the day was Lewis's results. I mean, mm. that revived the whole sector just about. Yeah, we saw Abelap almost 8% on the day. Lewis, mm. an astonishing 13% higher today. Uh, the Fashini Group also stronger on the day. Yeah, and JD and everything. Yeah, it pulled the whole sector. I mean, the market's been so against this. Furniture credit, unsecured credit type of sector after after um, Abel's results and how that you know surprised the market quite dramatically on the downside. But the Lewis results, I mean, even though they weren't fantastic results, I mean, a lot of the earnings growth came from a bad debts right back, not necessarily because the underlying business grew that strongly, but it was still very very good results in relation to what was anticipated. And of course, I mean. Lewis, all these things were at five, six PE ratios, and you know, very, very high dividend yields. So, a very dramatic recovery there. When uh, we saw inflation for April, CPI yes. coming at five point nine percent, still within the target range. The market expecting five point seven percent. Numbers not looking too good. No, look, I'm, I'm afraid you don't hear that bad news on the inflation front. You know, with the rand at nine fifty, nine sixty. You just wait a month or two or three and it'll all feed into the inflation price. This month, inflation reading in particular was bad news because it came on the back of higher food inflation. Now, food inflation, even though it's still high, has actually been falling and from much higher levels a couple of months ago. And this tick up again in food inflation, so we might even get this almost very bad, perfect storm with food inflation rising because of an increase in the actual underlying dollar price, plus all the follow-through rand, weaker rand effects. And that's not just food, that's virtually everything.
my view now, this is not a, a very, you know, it's not a statistically researched view that I haven't got a 5,000 line spreadsheet mm. to try and forecast inflation. But I would not be surprised if before the end of the year we start to get close to 7%. Uh, I think it's going to be really bad news. When we saw results from South Africa's largest employment services group, AdCorp, today, yes. I spoke with Chief Executive Richard Pike earlier. Uh, the results boosted by the inclusion of uh, the Paracon numbers for the first time. It bought Paracon here in South Africa. It's recently bought a company called Paxis in Australia. These, both these companies focused on IT skills. Well, here's what Richard had to say about that market specifically. Um, it's characterized by scarce skills, so the skills that, uh, that, that, that apply the trade in that market are quite hard to come by. Um, therefore, obviously, they command a higher rate, so your, uh, your absolute fee is, is greater. Um, it's an area that uh, we are strong in in South Africa, and Paracon, we're the biggest player in that space. And now, in Australia, we're number two, and if you look at the two together, I think boxing together, we're playing in, in scarce skills. We also have a 35% stake. Uh, in an Indian company, Neeland, which is a solutions provider. Um, we've been successful in bringing a lot of those skills into South Africa. We think we can do the same into Australia. And then also our project management capability in South Africa, we think we can take that to Australia. So definitely in terms of our future, we want to grow that sector in the kind of Southern Hemisphere emerging markets and tap into and, and have a greater uh, sort of um, foothold as far as those IT skills are concerned. That's Richard Pike there, Chief Executive of AdCorp. The full interview on our MoneyWeb Talk and MoneyWeb Now apps. That's across iPhone, iPad, as well as BlackBerry and Android. Wayne, revenue up 34%. This is almost a 9 billion rand company. Headline earnings per share up nicely, perhaps not as much as revenue. Margins improving, solid numbers. Yeah, I must say they were very good numbers. I, I, I was quite impressed with them. I, I, I don't recall the share price reacting very strongly to it. I think the share mm. price was up. One or two percent, or I might be wrong on that, but no, they were very solid numbers and actually quite a credible uh, performance by them. Just to close off with Wayne Growth Point, under some pressure, it's obviously done that book build, uh, listing two and a half billion rands worth of linked units, down four percent yesterday, down three percent today. Yes, there's a dilutionary effect, but uh, market not liking that uh, that listing. Yeah, look, I mean, it's clear. This is this is a big listing for a property company. Eh? I mean, this is a big listing. And there is some dilution in it, obviously, to entice the shareholders to come in and take up. When the new shareholders to come in and take up these new uh, these new issues of linked units, but you know the property shares are at record low yields. In other words, they're at record expensive levels. To just to phrase it another way, and to issue shares at this price, if you run a property company, is in fact the right thing to do because you're raising quite cheap finance. And once you've raised the finance, it's with you forever. You know, as long as you can deploy that efficiently into properties that give you a decent yield and a growing yield, you'll actually do very well for your stakeholders over time. So I would not be surprised at all if more property companies come to the market and issue new shares. The problem will be where do you invest it? Um, but, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So the market a little bit negative, but, I mean, these shares – have been the top performers for so long now. I don't even know how many years they've been the top performers for. Wayne McCurry is with Momentum Wealth. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 
Almost 20 minutes after 6 o'clock, Chris Gilmore, investment analyst at Absa Investments, joins us now. Chris, talking all things retail, as Wayne mentioned earlier, the big surprise today, and uh, I think the market was kind of 50-50 on this one, given what we've seen with Abel, given what we've seen in, in the sector. Lewis Group, a lot of hopes pinned on Lewis Group, and a lot of fund managers pointing to Lewis Group as, as the one company that's run conservatively, and the, the dividend would be held, if, if not grown. Revenue up 6.8%, headline earnings per share up almost 14 the dividend wasn't just held, it was actually increased. You contrast this with African Bank and its Ellerine's business, and it's no surprise that uh, Lewis was up almost 14% today. Yeah, no, you've encapsulated it very well there, Hilton. Look, Lewis, as you say, is a very, very conservatively run company. It has been for decades now, even in the old days when it was part of uh, Great Universe stores. And, um, I mean, you only have to visit their, their operations in Cape Town to see it. Uh, you know, it really is. It's a no-nonsense operation, very, very different to the to the call center-driven operation in J.D. Group, for example, this is much more a face-to-face type of thing. They really know their customers inside out on a very, very intimate basis. And I think what it's done is it's brought back a bit of um, a feeling of security to that furniture retailing market. As you say, look, um, Ellerins is a very, very different uh, type of thing altogether. I mean, the, the African bank guys have tried to marry the two uh, you know, the, the, the big um, kind of micro-lending and, and uh, furniture retailing together. And to this point, it hasn't been as satisfactory as they, they might have liked five years ago when they first did the thing. Whereas Lewis just keeps on going, you know, a nose to the grindstone, getting on with the business, no-nonsense approach to, to life altogether. Would you be buying Lewis even at these levels? You know, it's not expensive. Mm. Uh, you're talking about a PE of, what, 5.9 times dividend yield of 8.7. That was, you know, yesterday. That's before you, you, you factor in what happened uh, with the results today. So it's not, it's not expensive. You, ha- you have to take a view as to what's going to happen to interest rates, what's going to happen to unsecured lending, and what's going to happen generally with consumer spending. But at these levels, it, it, it doesn't really seem that uh, there can be an awful lot of downside. Christmas the price results, record headline earnings there, more strong numbers. Yeah, and you know, when they came out with the trading update back in January, I think uh, people maybe lost the plot a bit. They didn't quite realize that uh, the, the basis of comparison the previous year were, was an awful lot higher. So they, it's as, as, as a result, I think from a, a revenue perspective at least, um, it didn't look so good. When you look at this, the fact that they've managed to do this 26% increase in the face of um, a debtor's book, which has actually moved out a little bit, uh, when you see their, their main chain, you know, Mr. Price not, not performing perhaps as well as it could have, um, and a couple of other negative factors, you know, it, it really is a monumental achievement. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that we've now got 27 years of mm. unbroken uh, earnings growth, and with a compound annual growth rate and earnings per share of, what, 23.5%. It really is a phenomenal performance. Not so phenomenal for MassMart. Uh, a 21-week update, sales up uh, almost 10%. On a comparable basis, up almost 5.6%, uh, or rather 5.6%. If you start scratching into these numbers and you start seeing things about management changes and the fact that the group will consider closing or selling underperforming stores, all sorts of question marks. Yeah, as you say, it's a bit disappointing. Uh, 21-week sales up 9.8%. That's not really where, where you'd expect MassMart to be at this point in time. But having said that, you know, they have been doing an awful lot of things uh, during the past couple of years. You know, they've completed the, the supply chain investment. Um, and as they say in the narrative, the first phase of their entry into food retail. Bear in mind that food retail for them is going to be a very long, uh, arduous, and drawn-out process. They've got, currently got a, a miserable 3% share of food. 
And, you know, to get up to even where Woolies is at 9% is going to take years and years and years unless they can do something radical. Um, and the question is, what is that radical move going to be? Um, I've said for a while that um, it, it, it's only a matter of time before Walmart uh, flexes its muscle and starts bringing in significantly cheaper goods across the board, from food to general merchandising, you name it. At this point in time, I think it's more of a consolidation, but having said that, you know, it's a, it's a remarkably expensive share. Well, Taste Holdings uh, also reporting today. The owner of NWJ Scooters, Maxi, St. Elmo's, and the Fish and Chip Company opening 107 fish and chip stores uh, across last year. That's two a week. Revenue up 66% in the year. Headline earnings per share up 7% on a normalized basis, up 22%. Earlier, I spoke with Chief Executive of Taste, Carlo Gonzaga, and I asked, uh, I asked him rather about the impact of electricity at the franchisee level. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, nowadays when we talk, we talk about how much electricity is going to cost as opposed to the rental, because electricity in many cases is more and even double what the rents are. The fish and chips business, Carla, that's uh, really uh, continuing apace. 107 stores opened in the year. That's practically two a week. Will you sustain that pace going forward? Look, I mean, clearly it's not sustainable forever, but, you know, I said when we bought the business that it was a 400-store chain, um, because I don't think anybody would believe me if I told them it's a 600-store chain. Um, but we, we certainly have still got very strong demand for franchisees. Um, we haven't even gone into the Western Cape, really. Um, so, you know, there's still a lot of untapped potential, excluding anything we do outside of South African borders. Just looking ahead, the year ahead, uh, store rollout continues apace, uh, but, but some pressures on the consumer no doubt will uh, affect growth. Yeah, you know, I think at the consumer level, though, uh, specifically on the food side, if you try to buy fast food, I would challenge you to be able to buy cheaper food from a supermarket in terms of the value offerings that are going around now. So, so of course, we're all concerned about the consumer, and we'd all love the consumer to have more money. But the, the reality is I think that on the food side, in the strong value segments, there's probably going to be some resilience. Um, and then the biggest pressure point that we have is for franchisees to get funding. That's really a big pressure point. So, you know, that would probably be the biggest, the biggest potential constraint to our target of 100 stores this year uh, will be franchises getting the funding for those stores. That's Carlo Gonzaga, the Chief Executive of Taste Holdings. That full interview on our MoneyWeb Talk and MoneyWeb Now apps for iPhone, iPad, as well as BlackBerry and Android. And I can disclose that I do hold uh, Taste shares. Before him, Chris Gilmore, Investment Analyst at Appster Investments. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, Mediclinic International with operations here in South Africa as well as in Switzerland and the UAE out with uh, full year numbers to the 31st of March today. Group revenue up by 12%, normalized headline earnings per share up by 53%. Chief Executive Donnie Mankis joins us now. Donnie, a 5 billion rand rights offer in the year, your refinancing behind you and a nice kick from uh, the week around. Absolutely, Hilton. Yeah, we, we did the refinancing last year and as you just mentioned, the leveraging effect of that, picking in at the normalized headline earnings, pushing that up with 53%. Overall, we're very happy. We saw volume growth at all three of our platforms. Normalized revenue up 12%. Normalized EBITDA up 15%. Overall, very satisfying results. If we look across the operations uh, here at home in South Africa, your bed days up, your revenue uh, from those days up, and your occupancies up, uh, firing on all cylinders. Yes, I think we are very pleased to see the volume growth in South Africa. 
there was a slight increase in the average length of stay. And if we look at the price line in terms of the, the cost per hospitalized bed day, that is up just under 5% or around about 5%, which we are quite pleased with as well. The uh, much publicized and the long-awaited market inquiry into the private healthcare sector, the, the terms of reference for that inquiry were announced by the Competition Commission last week. Have you been engaging with the Commission? Yes, some of our senior managers in South Africa met with some of the representatives from the Commission, and they engaged in very positive discussions. Obviously, the terms of reference not officially uh, completed. Mm. The first uh, document is out. And to be quite honest, personally, I haven't studied the detail. We will await the inquiry. We will cooperate. As we say, we've got nothing to hide, and let's see what stems from there. Donnie, in Switzerland, what are the dynamics in that market at the moment? It's an aging population. Uh, We saw major regulatory changes introduced the 1st of January 2012. And we've embedded that. It was a major change, a lot of administrative changes. That is now embedded in our system. We saw uh, volume growth there as well. And we are actually very pleased with the results that we published in Switzerland. Uh, across in the UAE, the, the smallest of your three operations by a long shot, but a, a very strong performance there with economic uh, sentiment, the highest since uh, the, the uh, disastrous days, I guess, of, of 2008. Yeah, the UAE is still relatively small, but as you mentioned, they grew quite significantly. It is a growth platform for us. We invested quite a lot of money there. And in terms of the general economy there, from the down slump in 2008, really picked up. And uh, what we saw in terms of revenue growth and patient attendance, we are very pleased. And as we've mentioned, we keep on investing there. We will create more capacity, and we are very positive about the future of that, that investment there. Donnie, just to close off with your outlook for the year ahead. Yeah, we we are positive. We will not guess numbers. Uh, as long as we provide in the needs of the patients, we are positive, and uh, we keep on investing money, and we will focus on the patient needs going forward. Donnie Menke is the Chief Executive of MediClinic International. Well, it was a day where the JSC ended up just 21 points, 0.05% at 41,836 points. The Rand, 9.55 against the U.S. dollar. This has been the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow, 6.30 now, and time for game plan.